but please tell us how did you get started man um mate it's a uh it's a good question i could talk two hours about that but i'll uh, i'll try and summarize it down into a concise version yeah um but look essentially um i grew up in a in a normal family as i would i would see normal mm-hmm. um mum and dad working you know normal jobs mum was in construction one was in mum was in admin um i went to public schools and um and you know, I was just a normal kid doing normal shit, and then I'm not sure. One day, I um, I, uh, I think it was during primary school. I always, I was always obsessed with like the kids in the school who had money and the cars that they drove and and the houses they lived in. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we weren't poor by any stretch of the imagination, but at the same time, we we didn't have anything that was um, you know, out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always wanted, you know, what I didn't have. Um, that was that was during primary school, and obviously a lot, you know, a lot of the stuff during your or that that part of your child is essentially out of your control, right? You, your mum and dad tell you what to do. You um, you live essentially the life that um, that they say, and then as you get a little bit older, and as I got into high school, um, you start to have a little bit more control over your destiny, and you know what you're doing for work and what you're doing with the money that you're starting to earn. Um, and that's when I started to get you know really obsessed with investing and 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 property. Happened to be the asset class that um, that I understood better than than the others, um, and that's usually yeah. how it started. I'm sorry, why property? Why not crypto? Why not fucking you know gambling or betting? Why <laughs> why in property investing? Like who uh, nudged you to that one direction? Um, I think it's because it's uh, I guess you know crypto or equities and shares and um all the other asset classes I would say are a little bit more sophisticated to understand, especially someone who's young, right? Like it's not mm. as straightforward as, as property or I see property. Um, and also it's, it's every, you know, family or, or, or Australian. Um, the, the dream is to buy your own home and, and have, you know, your, your own property. So everyone's got a love of property. Everyone talks about it. And um, it was just by chance that, you know, I understood it better than, than most. Um, and I started educating myself a lot through YouTube and through podcasts like this and, um, through books. Um, and you know, I would listen to people and I would really like what someone had to say. And then I would just go down in the, in the rabbit hole of that person's story and listen to every podcast I've ever been on, you know, read all the books that they've written, if they've written books, um, and just deeply understand how they went about doing what they did. And, um, you know, as, as you started to get older, you can start to, implement what you're learning as opposed to just learning about it like you do in school mm-hmm. um and then you know you start working and saving money and and then the first property was on the horizon and that's uh, i guess essentially how it all began and once i bought my first property it sort of snowballed from from there to where we are right now hmm. so it's funny that i it's been six years i've been here in australia and I have yet to meet people who have managed so young, who have managed to, you know, see, I haven't seen that quick trajectory, if you want to call it. What do you think was the most significant um, helper in your journey? Was it podcasts? Was it books? Was it people? Or was it a mentor? Um, I think it's a combination of all of those things. And then... um... 
And then, yeah, I think I found someone that I really, really resonated with and, and I guess wanted to um, copy what, what they had done. And, and that was a guy by the name of Chris Gray, who I'm still very good friends with today. Um, and it wasn't that he sort of took me under his wing and, you know, mentored me as such, but everything that he said, I would I would listen to as opposed to just listening to what people say and then not implementing it. Um, you know, I started to hang around similar people to what he hung around. Um, I started to go to all the events that I could go to where there was, you know, people that were doing much better financially than what I was. Um, and then, you know, you just, you just start to, to learn and, and, and do things and meet people and earn money and you just, you just act. So I think that that's probably the biggest thing is, is, um, is implementing what you learn as opposed to just learning about it. Right. So whether it was from books or whether it was from having the mentor or whether it was from, you know, any other way you can learn, it's it's the implementation of what you learn as opposed to just learning about it. Let me ask you this. At this moment, if if I ask you, if you can do it, can I or can someone do it? Of course. Yeah, yeah. I always say that. It's <laughs> not um it's look, I think that the reality is anyone can do it, but I my my passion is is real estate and, and investing and um, you know, building and design, like I absolutely love that stuff. So naturally, I I'm gonna like right now. I'm sitting out the front of a of of, of a renovation project that I don't necessarily need to be on myself, but um, I'm in there, you know, just cutting and putting up a ceiling and all the rest of it. So I just I just really enjoy it, and and that I guess is what I have that most people don't have. But lots of people have a passion for something um, that I wouldn't have a passion for, and naturally would go much further and do a lot more in that field than than what I would do. I love you touched on that because you said you have a passion for real estate and property, but people, most of people who are listening to you would be like, you know what? We don't have a passion for it. We just want to make money. We mm -hmm. want to make wise and smart decisions. And let's, for a lack of a better word, call it escape the matrix of, you know, working nine to five. What do you say to those people? Uh, well, I think it's an incredible, like property is the easiest vehicle, especially in Australia, to be able to escape the matrix as such. Um, but it doesn't happen overnight, right? It's, Absolutely. It's a, um, it's a, it's, it's a journey like anything is. So um, if you want to make money quickly, property is probably not the, uh, the asset class to do so, right? You can't, you can't make a significant amount of money overnight. Hmm. Um, but over a long period of time, there's very, few other asset classes that are as safe, I feel, um, and as foolproof as, as, as property is. Um, and look, I've created, you know, the, the, a business around property and my passion. And, and that's obviously what helps me from an income point of view as well. So I think um, investing is one element of, of wealth creation, but I think people forget about every other element, which is, and, and, and one of the biggest elements is your ability to earn an income and, and a you know, strong income at that. Um, that helps with everything else. So property isn't the way to make quick money. And you also touched upon, um, you know, there are other asset classes that are sort of safer or much quicker. Can you, what are the other asset classes that are safer or much quicker? Uh, I wouldn't say there's other asset classes that are safer. Property is the safest asset class I personally feel um, outside of bonds and stuff like that. True. Um, you know, like crypto, for example, you can make a significant amount of money. It's luck where you make the money. I wouldn't say it's skill, but you can make a significant amount of money in a very, very short period of time, you know, with yeah. 
with that amount of upside also comes that amount of risk, right? Is it's the risk v reward. So the the greater the uh, the reward you can potentially get from something, the the higher the risk is to to be able to get that reward. True. Um, so you know, even in in shares, you know, if you get in a business pre IPO and it does extremely well, you can make thousands of percent ROI on your on 100%. your capital, which you can't really do in property unless you're using it as a business, right? Through developing or rezoning land, and um, if you're just a buy and hold and, and set and forget um, asset like I use it for, then uh, then it takes time to make money. But as as time goes on, your money compounds and you know, you can create a pretty cool life. Um, and most people aren't intelligent enough to create money in other asset classes, right? Like pe- most people don't understand cryptocurrency. Most people don't understand equities and shares. Um, they pretend they do, but they don't. You know, they've heard some Instagram video or YouTube video and all of a sudden they think they're an expert in it. And there's a lot of risk involved in that. So um, I think I think property for me is something where you don't really need to be smart and you can make a lot of money. There's a difference between knowing it all and being a know, know it all, right? Apparently so, yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's been on the website. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first slide. I was like, that's actually cool. Um, okay. It's 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 funny. Let's let's just talk a couple of minutes about that. What do you think people in Australia, no one actually really knows about this. No one's talking about this. You are, so are some other people, but people are not even smart enough to talk to talk about this. Why are we not getting educated about the most important thing? housing, tax, finances, you know, economics. Why are we just in that weird phase of just learning about random shit? Uh, it's pretty boring, to be honest. Like, that's probably the main yeah. reason. It's not not yeah. super exciting to learn about taxation law and, you know, what, what's happening in the, the macro economy and, you know, how to structure things. Like, it's not super exciting to the majority of people. So I'm actually pretty amazed at how many people watch my fucking videos because <laughs> I think it's pretty boring at the end of the day. Um, the outcome of doing all of these things correctly is exciting for people, which is making money, right? But the actual doing of uh, and the implementation of, of what I, I, I guess, share from my own experiences um, is not super exciting. And a lot of people, again, don't, don't really understand it. There's also uh, some risk involved in sharing um, elements of of what some people would see as financial advice. Absolutely. Um, you know, I get a million and one comments a week of people saying, "What's your AFSL and all this garbage?" Mm. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't say it in a way as I don't share my stuff online as this is what you should do. It's like this is what I do, and if I was you, I would do this. You don't have to do it. So I think there's the element of that, and then you know, most people don't like putting themselves out there as well, which is the other thing. So. I think a combination of uh, of all of the above. Let me okay. Let me ask you the most boring question then. How do <laughs> how do we set up then? How do we set up to you know? Let's say I don't even want to be wealthy or rich. I just want to have a house paid off and have another um, you know investment property, and that'll be like my um, sort of quote unquote fuck you money. That, okay, I have one house paid, one house, you know, I've bought it for like an investment property and I'm working, having a good time, enjoying my life, traveling, blah, blah, blah. How does one set up to that level? It's pretty easy, to be honest. Like uh, you make a small amount of sacrifice to begin with. 
So like buying your first property in Australia used to be the hardest thing to do. I feel like now it's the easiest thing to do because of all the different incentives that mm. the different state governments, you know, help you get into the marketplace. So um, I guess the reality is there's a small amount of sacrifice if you choose to, but if you wanted to do this first before you did the travel and all the other exciting stuff is uh, you live at home as long as you can or, or if you can't live at home, live as cheaply as you can for, for as long as you can. So whether it's with 10 friends or whether it's relatives or you know whether it's in a place where you probably wouldn't live for a long period of time but you'll live there for a short period of time because you can save money um you live below your means which i think a lot of people don't do you know they live very much above their means um you know and and, and above your means is in lots of different facets right some people live above their means by buying designer clothes and watches and all the rest of it um and then some people just you know, don't do that stuff, but they live above the means by eating out every day instead of, you know, preparing food, for example, when they they spend 40% of their income on food um, or, you know, going out and doing shit every weekend, whether it's partying or whether it's, you know, stuff for entertainment purposes. Like, I think the people struggle to just be okay with doing nothing and, and understanding that it's for a benefit of a, a longer-term goal. Jack, these... Um, the, these are the habits that people um, have. And I think everyone can pick and see that this is wrong. What I was asking was that, let's say, okay, let's say, I mean, I'm 25. I want to buy my first house. Mm. Um, at this day and age, firstly, let me ask you this. Is this the right time to buy a house or is this not? What What do you think about inflation? Where, where is this going? Um, like, I don't get caught up in all this, like, all the stuff people hear on a daily basis in the media and in the newspapers and, and, and all the other yeah, places we get our information, it's it's all uh, crafted in a way to make people fearful, right? So um, it actually doesn't matter what's happening right now with inflation, nor did it matter 10 years ago and it won't matter in 10 years' time because it's, it's going to continue to happen and the world will continue to work itself out. So um, I don't really bother about what's happening right now. All I know is that if I do something right now, it will benefit me in the long term. So that's why I do it. Um, so the first thing I would say is if you're 25, I would not worry about all the stuff you're hearing and just worry about you and your personal circumstance. Because I can tell you there's a lot of people out there that I know making significant amounts of money right now um, in their businesses and in their jobs. And does it really matter about what is happening with inflation or property prices if you're that individual? I would mm. say probably not. Um, so... I would, yeah, block out all of the noise and understand that it's always going to be there regardless of the market conditions. So you'll always have noise, whether it be positive or negative. Um, you need to first be able to save enough money to buy a property. So you need a deposit. And to do that, you need to be able to you know, save or, or, or spend less than you earn. So save money. Um, and then once you've bought your first property and, and you've, got the, uh, you've, you've got the deposit and you've bought the first property, um, that's the hardest part, done. And then the, the remainder of the work is done by the property continuing to grow in value over time and you just continue to leverage off that and use the monetary system to your advantage as opposed to the other way, which is what most most people uh, allow it to do is let the monetary um, system take advantage of them. See, that, that I generally think it's easier said than done. And especially living in Melbourne, all the properties are going to be far out, of course, to the to the suburbs, of course. And let's say if I buy a property there, six hundred thousand or under, trying trying my best to keep it under, um, it won't be ideal to the place I work. So that so sort of like rent questing comes into the equation. Um, 
do you think that's a that's a good thing? So let's say if you buy a property, you rent it out. How how does that look in your your thoughts? It's the best. It's the best strategy to do, regardless if you could afford to buy in the property, buy and live in the property in which your like like location is suitable for you. It still doesn't make financial sense to live in your own property. It always makes sense to rent and then and then invest, hmm. because an owner-occupier property or a principal place of residence of which you own and you, you've purchased, you're paying a mortgage on it. Um, it's like a, it's like an anchor. It's like a dead weight because it's a non-deductible debt. Um, it's a full liability. So the debt of that property is a full liability to your income because it's generating no income to service the debt um, and, and it'll hold you back significantly. Um, so even if you could afford it, I, I would never buy my own property. I'll always rent and I own a lot of real estate and I still don't live in any of the properties that I own. So um, if you had 600,000 and you wanted to live in Turak, but your budget allowed you to live in Geelong, um, then I would probably, you know, go and invest in a property and put tenants in it and let the tenants cover the majority of the expenses of that asset. Your debt is now tax deductible debt, um, which means you pay for it pre-tax as opposed to post-tax like an owner-occupier property. Um, and then you rent where you want to live. Where do you think is the best location in Australia to rent vest? And well, if, if we're rent vesting, then we probably don't have to stick with Melbourne. We can just buy fucking anywhere, basically. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, it's it's a subjective question that where is the best place to invest? Because the best place to invest is uh most people can't afford. So um it's it's relative to the individual, right? So if someone had five hundred thousand dollars and they said to me, "Hey, where should I buy for five hundred thousand dollars?" It's less about the location and more about the way you go about choosing where to invest. So my simple answer for that question constantly is the best location your money will buy you. So if if your money won't buy you a, an apartment in St Kilda, if you're in Melbourne, then where where will it? Like where is the next best location where I can afford to buy something for five hundred thousand dollars? Still following all the fundamentals that you know I teach, which is buy in. Locations with a proven track record of performance, locations where there is no um, more supply that can be brought to the market. They're established locations and, and the supply that is there is all there will ever be. And as population grows, that continues to put upward pressure on on prices um, and and buy something that is you know in a quiet street somewhere you'd probably live yourself, even though it may not be the right location for your working purposes. You still want to walk down the street and be like, oh, this is a nice area. Hmm. Pretty oh. simple, right? It's, I'm going to say it sounds, does sound simple than it is, um, because the way you look at it, it's very simple, but where, from where I'm standing is like, okay, um, I have debt on my head. I've got a car payment, I've got a rent, blah, 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 blah. So the first step is to save up money. Yeah. And I would say, you know, if you've got a car payment, you've bought a car that's too expensive for you. You shouldn't have a car payment. If you don't have any assets and you've just got liabilities, that, yeah. that for me is, and most people have that. Most people go, let's go buy a car. Okay, I want to buy something that's $40,000 mm. and I have $10,000 in savings. Yeah. So let's go get a $30,000 loan. Like that is stupidity. But mm. again, that's because we, you know, we want to look cool. We want to look like we have more money than what we have. And Absolutely. Um, most, I would say 99% of people are in that category. It's like, we need to do X, Y, and Z. Um. Yeah, so it is easy. Like the reality is it is easy. If you spent the $200 a week that you spend on your car payment or $50 a week or $400 a week, whatever your car payment is, um, and said, hey, I don't need that car. I'll buy something which is, 
I don't need to have a loan on. I can drive a $5,000 car, for example. Um, probably cost me less in fuel, probably cost me less in insurance. Probably don't have to worry about all the other stuff that I worry about. You know, that's one thing that you can cut out of your life, right? Mm. Going out for dinner on a Wednesday night with friends and a Friday and then a Sunday spending $100 each time. Again, it's people living beyond their means. This is my definition, right? This is not whether it's right or wrong. This is of how course. I see it. This is just... Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think none of that stuff should happen until you set yourself up financially. There's a saying, right? It's like if it's, if you do what's easy now, life will be hard later. And if you do what hard is, if you do what is hard right now, life will be easy later. And that's the that's the reality of it. Absolutely. But um, the, here's a question: apartment versus house. So basically, apartment versus land. What do yep. you think? Which one's better? Oh. I think they're both as good as one another. So if you buy an apartment in the right location, it will outperform a house in the wrong location and vice versa. If you buy an apartment in the wrong location, but you buy a house in the right location, it'll outperform. So again, it's all relative to how what, you, what the person's budget is and where they want to buy. So I can show you a thousand apartments in Bondi Beach that have outperformed many houses in other parts of Australia which just completely squashes the debate that houses don't perform as well as apartment or how apartments don't perform as well as houses. Mm. And then just as well, I can find houses that perform much better than lots of apartments because the house is in the right location. So I think either is great and I own both houses and apartments um, and they've performed very similar to one another. What do you think? So it should be house, houses and apartments as opposed to houses or apartments. Houses or apartments. Yeah. Okay, that's good. What do you think that you did differently than other agents out there, other advocates out there? Um, I think uh, I practice what I preach, right? Like there's mm -hmm. a lot of people that have much bigger businesses than I do and make much more money than I do in the same industry, in the same field, like a significant amount bigger and a significant amount more. Um. But I think I, I, I do for my clients what I do for myself. And over time, again, just like buying good quality assets, it compounds, right? Goodwill compounds, people getting really solid results compounds, uh, people knowing who I am and what I do compounds. Um, so slowly, um, it, it continues to grow and grow and grow over time. Whereas I think what a lot of advocates do is they, uh, they say they make their money from property when the reality is they make their money from their business. They grow a portfolio from the money they make from business and then they sell to their clients that they made all their money through property, um, which catches up with people. What was that one decision that you made that took your business to a different trajectory? <laughs> um, I think being... Uh, being all in with branding and marketing. So my first uh, my first hire was uh, not an associate or not a, an admin person. It was a videographer. So I, I, I didn't, when I started my business, I had zero income. I probably had about 50 or 60 grand in the bank. Um, had four, four mortgages. So I probably had six months worth of, uh, worth of expenses. And uh, I hired someone from day dot as opposed to waiting until I had the money or waiting for the right time. So, you know, having having someone create content for me from day one did a lot of things that made me seem bigger than what I really was, 
was constantly in people's faces. Again, that compounds over time. You know, content is evergreen a lot of the time, so it continues to, to be watched and played. Um, I leverage other people's channels. Um, and that's what that's what I did differently. Plus, I I I um I practice what I preach, right? Like I did it first, or was doing it first, and then I got into the industry as opposed to was in the industry and then started to do it. We just recently had Dane Walker as well, um, and uh, we had a talk. We had a chat with him about branding as well. I don't know if you know who Dane Walker is. Dane Walker? No, I don't think so. No, that's that's okay. Um, he's he's. He builds brand. He's a brand strategist. You should actually get in touch with him. He's really big on brands and building brands. He's a really nice guy. Um, you've written a book as well, the Flamingo Way. If I'm if I'm saying it right, the is that the, is that the book, the Flamingo Way? That's it. Standing out from the crowd and being like the wealthiest one percent of the population. How long did it take you to write that book? Uh, truth be told, it was a uh, it was a podcast that I recorded, and then I gave it to my copywriters and said, "Write me a book," <laughs> and they wrote it. Like that. so, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't get write the book. I got expelled from school when I was fifteen, so uh, writing is not my <laughs> strong point in English. Um, but it's all my content and my information. I'm naturally, the uh, the marketing people designed it and wrote the book, and then I give it the tick of approval. You're in the business where sales is pretty important. How big of a skill is sales for everybody in general? Uh, it's it's super important. I think it's look, it's not it's not sales. It's communication is the way that I say it. Like the better of a communicator you are, mm. uh, the better you understand human psychology, and um, I guess the more attention you have, the easier it is to sell things to people. Um, I think a lot of people try and. From, what, from my experience, uh, a lot of true people try and become great at sales, but, uh, you know, have nothing else going for them. So, like, for example, um, someone inquires with my company and they get on the phone with me. I don't need to sell. They just buy from me because they trust me. They know who I am. I've got a track record. The same person could get on another call with someone else who doesn't have the brand that I have. Um, but it's a gun salesperson. And I think that person would have a much like a much harder time to be able to sell that individual. So that's what I think it's important to, like you're helping someone to buy as opposed to trying to sell something to, to them, right? So if you do a lot of the other stuff and you're a great communicator, then, uh, then it's easy. Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about it, right? Yeah. Branding is, is, is the most important thing um, as opposed to, you know, sales. And if, you, if you're a great salesperson and communicator and you have a great personal brand, then it's very hard to be outsold. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But I think one without the other uh, doesn't doesn't stack up. So just a bit of a backstory. You said you got expelled from school when you were 15. Yeah, yeah. Two schools, actually. Well, <laughs> can, can you take <laughs> us back? Yeah. So it wasn't because I was like this crazy kid selling drugs or uh, getting in fights. Um, I just didn't want to be at school. I used to distract a lot of people. I always wanted to be the center of attention. And um, and you do that for long enough, it uh, it gets you in trouble. So first school, I did it, you know, year seven to year nine, I was known as the class clown and got suspended, I don't know how many times. Um, and eventually they go, hey, maybe this school's not right for you. And I was like, okay, went to another school. And then, it, you know, within two years, it happened again. So I think I was like halfway through year 10 when I got, 
suited. Did you have any formal education? Uh, as in like university? It, university or in terms of finance, property, investment. Is there any sort of investment or is it just personal or social learning? Uh, yeah, look, I've got, I've got education in real world learning. Yeah, I do it right. So, um, no, I don't have a, a a formal degree in finance, or I don't even know if there is a formal degree in property. Obviously, I've got my real estate license and all the stuff that I need to have. Uh, but even again, that doesn't they don't teach you anything in that license. Mm. They teach you the laws. That's virtually it. Um, so no, I have I have a degree in actually doing things and trying and it working and not working and learning from people who have been there and done it. Mm. Um, you have yeah. a you have an agency where people contact you to get your services, and then you talk to those people back. What patterns have you seen in Australian buyers that you think that if those patterns could be improved, people would be in a better place to buy houses? And yeah, so the, I think the the main one is that people think they know everything. There's a lot of ego, right? Like a lot of people think, or, or or maybe they're ashamed to say, "Hey, like I don't, I don't know what I'm doing," or I'm I'm unsure. But the issue is, people look at you know buying property because you can buy property by yourself, as that you should buy it by yourself. Um, you know, and the, the biggest objection we get is why would I pay you when I can do it myself? Or they don't say it, but that, you know, and that's exactly what they're thinking. And it's always a fee objection, um, which is totally fine. Um, you know, and the people can do it by themselves, right? Like you can go to, you can go to the court of law and also represent yourself and you can also do your own tax. And, um, you know, you could, you can also take your car to the racetrack and drive it yourself as opposed to having a race car drive. Like there's all these things you can do yourself. So I think people, um, you know, they're for one, they're always trying to save money. Like people are always trying to like, oh, we'll save there, and they're trying to save in the wrong areas, so they, uh, they end up costing themselves a lot of money. Um, I also think there's a lot of people out there that are, um, they take advantage of people as well. So that probably is a reason that the people don't you know want to want to trust experts and professionals because there's a lot of sharks out there as well as there is a lot of great people as well. So I understand it, but that's probably the biggest thing. Like I don't. Outside of my business and and even in my business, like I don't do very I do very little inside of my actual business. Mm. Um, I pay people who know much more, and I have trust in those people. So sometimes I get fucked over, and sometimes it works out really well. And I know if I get fucked over, it's a learning, and you you know you take the learning onto the next thing. Um, and that's the I think that's the the main issue. Like people don't know how to create wealth or make money or you know be efficient with their taxes, but they think they do and. They, uh, they don't want to pay for the help. So how can one learn? What are the sources? Are there any books that you would recommend? Are there any podcasts out there that you recommend that are that would help people to get into better habits of spending or saving or learning? There's so many. Like, like Can you pick Armchair's, top five? Armchair's Guide to Property Investing is a really good one that um, Bryce Holdaway and Ben Kingsley wrote. They, they're the guys who have... The, it's called the Property Couch. Their podcast, um, finance and and money, like uh, there's again so so many. Like if people want to learn this the simple things, right? So I would personally learn around 
how the monetary system actually works. So when you hear all these big words like inflation and interest rates and quantitative easing and all of this stuff, people don't really know what that means. So like I would learn about what are all these things and books like Finance 101 for Dummies, for example, is a great way to start that stuff because it literally teaches you the most simple things. Because what most, most people need to learn, they need to learn a foundation and then off that foundation they can, um, I guess, learn the more ex- ex- uh the things you need more experience with. Um, and there's a million podcasts out there, right? So obviously the more that you listen to, some of it's going to resonate with you, some of it's not. And the stuff that does resonate with you, um, you take that on board and, and keep using it. And the stuff that doesn't resonate with you, at least you'll learn it and you know that doesn't work for you and you you disregard it. What's next? But you need to do, you need to do, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the main thing is that learning is one thing and implementing is the other where a lot of people get stuck is like the execution of stuff hmm. okay that's it's it's literally like if you make a mistake and someone sits you down and gives you a tiny lecture and you feel good for like 10 minutes and then you go over and do the whole same thing again so uh, yeah mm. what's, what's yeah exactly next, what's next for you jack where do you where do you see yourself in the next five years where do you see yourself where, do you see do you plan in next year next five years do you plan like that yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a super goal-orientated person. Um, so the the big focus for me at the moment is growing the different businesses. So I've got a development business. Um, I've got a building company and, uh, and we've got the advocacy business. So they're my three big focuses. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got some health challenges also in the family. So that's a, uh, that's a big focus of mine is making sure that everyone's healthy and happy. Um, and then just continuing to, to be better as a person and i know if i do those three things and focus on those three things in five years it'll look much better than what it does right now if you look at it on a quantitative basis basis mm-hmm. um so and that's just what i what i have been doing right it's like every year i accept a little bit larger goals and you slowly chip away at those goals and by the end of the year even if you don't actually hit 100 percent of the goals you're still better than what you were at the start of the year um so that's uh that's my focus and it's obviously choppy times out there right in the in the, in the economy so businesses that get through these times and, and still growing through these times you can imagine what it looks like when the economy is working to you know in your favor as opposed to against you um so. are you someone who looks at economy looks at market or just ignores that and just stays focused on uh, on their own thing yeah well look you can't be naive to what's happening right um but at the same token, I'm not a victim of it either. So I'm not like, oh, fuck, the economy's bad. So it's okay not to be doing as well in business. And it's okay to, you know, just forget about your goals, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, definitely not naive to it. You don't you don't make stupid decisions um, based on ignorance. But at the same token, you don't let it control what you do and what you don't do. So how did you adapt to COVID and the pandemic happening? How did, did that affect your business? Yeah, well, at the start of COVID, I was um, I only just got into business, like into my own own business. So it was a period there for four months where we didn't make one dollar, um, which was stressful, <laughs> as you can imagine. But on the on the, on the back side of that was um was a pretty incredible time for the property industry, right? So we grew, you know, in one year something like four hundred and fifty percent, I think it was. So like crazy. Um, which also is, is a bad thing for now, right? Because when you're not growing at that, not that rate, you feel upset. 
um, but it's not normal. But no, COVID was COVID was very good for our business. It was um, we're very lucky, and uh, I think look, the majority of people did much better in COVID than than the people who didn't do well. Like there was a lot more people who did well that didn't do well mm-hmm. in in our in our country. Um, but it was it was it was it was good times. That's for sure. Good times to grow a business. Is this a good time to grow a business, or actually, is this a good time to buy a house? Uh, for some people, right now is a great time to buy a house. If you don't have any money and you're struggling day to day, probably not a great time to buy a house for you. Well, but if you if you if you're making great money and you've got no expenses, there's less buyers in the marketplace, then it's a great time, right? Because you're um you're going against the grain, and you're being a contrarian, and usually people who are are contrarian are uh are people who do very well. So I'm still buying a lot of property for, for myself personally and for, and for clients. Um, but at the same token, there's a lot of people out there that are struggling with interest rates and repayments. And um, I would say if they went and bought a property right now, it's probably not a smart thing to do because it's only going to put you under more financial stress. Hmm. So unless you have the money, don't buy a house. Is that... Yeah, but that's like any time, right? Just because... There's a gold rush in the property market two years ago and COVID doesn't mean you could have bought a house. But most people think it, you know, they short term thinking, oh wow, if you make a lot of money in a short period of time, everyone everyone around me is making a lot of money, so they they do it. Um do you, do you see um in coming years a better time to buy a house? Uh how do you mean? Like um economic? There, yeah, it, yes. I've got no idea. I've got no idea what happens tomorrow in six months or in 12 months time. And it's anyone all, who tells you they do has no idea either. It's, it's all fugazi, huh? Fairy dust. It's all a fugazi. But it's garbage. I thought, like the other day when the interest rates, um, uh, sorry, the inflation numbers come out and they were under expectation by 0.2 or 1%, which is fucking all but nothing. Hmm. Um, you know, all of a sudden the market, went from interest rates increasing at a 50% chance of increasing by 0.25% down to like, you know, 27% and like all this shit. It's like all of these predictions change on a daily basis based on variables that no one controls. So why, why even bother? Mm. Man. Thanks for doing this though. Hey, like, my pleasure. I like how quick and responsive you are. I like how you've, uh, you've taken, um your 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 journey through uh through from that school to where you are right now i think we everyone looks up to you um you're doing a great job at instagram uh teaching people as well um and uh, i've been listening to your videos as well and that's that was one of the reasons we wanted to have you on so uh, we appreciate you doing this and uh i hope that family issue the health issue uh gets better in your family and uh wish you a great day bro thanks for doing this man Thank Thanks you. so much, boys. Keep going hard.